Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, episode 44 for Monday 28th March 2011. What is the TCO of RAD in an SMB? This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. You can find this and other tech-related podcasts at techpodcast.com. This week in Lotus is sponsored by Audible, the destination for the widest selection of digital audiobooks available worldwide. Want to be well-read like Duffbert but just can't spare the time to read books on paper? Take an audiobook on your commute or whilst walking instead. We've got a special offer for you. Download and listen to a best-selling book every month for just $7.49 a month for the first three months and you can cancel at any time. Pick from over 85,000 audiobooks from business to classics to sci-fi or comedy. Go to thisweekinlotus.com slash audible for all the details. Beluck, the Belgium-Luxembourg Lotus User Group, is hosting a third major event on the 31st of March and the 1st of April this year. Two fully packed days, more than 40 sessions, and many of the best speakers in the community. You are welcome to join us in Antwerp in Belgium. It will be exciting and it will be free. Please visit www.blug.be for full details on the agenda. But register ASAP, because seats are running out fast. Remember, blug.be. Hello and welcome to This Week in Lotus. We're back for episode 44. I'm Stuart McIntyre and once again I'm joined by Darren Duke. Hi there, Darren. Good morning, Mr. Stuart. How are you? I am very, very good. Thank you. Uh, sorry, we're recording this somewhat late. Real life got in the way of This Week in Lotus just for once. And it took 44 episodes to get that way. So I, <laughs> I, would, I would quite happily go another 44 episodes before we have another schedule and... I guess FUBAR was really Indeed. what it was. Indeed. So we're going to be a bit late this week, but hopefully people will still enjoy the content we deliver. Let's see. Um, we're joined by a good friend of This Week in Lotus, Sharon Bellamy. Hi there, Sharon. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Darren. Hello. For those that haven't come across you before, Sharon, what's your job and where do you work and fill us in? Um, I work for City University in London and I literally do everything that is IBM related in any way, shape or form. So connections portal, um, same time, TDI, TAM, and everything else that goes along with it. I think that's all the acronyms. I think you covered every single IBM acronym. <laughs> I, I had a go, yeah. <laughs> Can we put you down for exceptional web experience as well? Uh, not yet, no, I'm working on that. <laughs> and, and Sharon, even better, is willing to drop everything with 20 minutes notice and join this week in later. So thanks for joining us today, Sharon. No problem. Brilliant. Well, as usual, we will run through some of the news from around the community this week um, and just have a bit of a discussion, a bit of a roundtable um, debate about what's going on uh, and finish off, as usual, with our tips in about 50 minutes' time. So, Darren, let's kick off with something we kind of deliberately avoided last week when we had the cast of IBMers on this call, which is the CNN Fortune profile of Sam Parmesano that uh, was doing the rounds sort of a week or 10 days ago. Um, this was a very positive review of progress under the CEO. I guess he's been in place for, what, nearly 10 years now and really talk about how uh, he's kind of moved IBM on did you get a chance to read that one um, I did it was a rather long article that pretty much should have just been the conclusion this man can walk on water I think was the, <laughs> was the outcome and you know I actually think it was a, it was a pretty good profile of him there was a lot of back charts and line graphs showing earnings per share and you know what what percentage is not hardware anymore? You know that's kind of a minuscule part of their business now. So it was it was an interesting article from from that standpoint. But I think the, the standout is that the yellow bubble is not the most evil place on the planet. Apparently, apparently, ex IBMers had all their knives out because there was a lot of negative comments on there about 
his quote unquote destruction of the uh, US workforce for IBM. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty um, controversial comments on there. And there were a few um, sort of uh, positive comments from IBMers, but a lot of negative ones in terms of some of the cultural changes and some of the offshoring that's gone on. But if, if we just, just uh, sort of stick to the, the, you know, the content of the article for now, Sharon, did you have a, re- a chance to read of this? It, it certainly reads like he's done some pretty good work for, for IBM uh, in terms of transforming it from what was a hardware-based business, as Darren said, to being very much around services and software going forward. I did read it and I did think, similarly to Darren, that it was an exceptionally long article and the guy could do no wrong as far as the person that wrote it. I mean, obviously working with IBM software for the last 10 years or so, I have noticed a change. Um, And it isn't until you get past the article and start reading what the ex-IBMers and the current IBMers, and there seems to be quite a lot of people that say they're still very proud to work for IBM and and they really do appreciate what this guy has done for their company. So I think you've got to take it with six of one and half a dozen of the other, unless you actually are an IBMer and you've experienced this firsthand. Exactly. So, uh, you know, we're all looking from the outside and it's hard to know you know, what, what's kind of real and what's kind of, um, you know, just bad vibes coming from, obviously, you know, the people that have been resource-actioned over the last five years, you know, you've got to feel bad for them. But I guess in today's climate, bad economy, uh, you know, focus on shareholder value and so on, some, some difficult decisions have to be made, whatever the vendor is. Well, and one of the phrases that came out of Lotusphere beyond get social, do business, was shareholder value. I must have heard that at least two dozen times in in various presentations. So, you know, it's getting down to the business unit executive director level that, look, this this is a publicly traded company, and at the end of the day, um, my my feeling at least was screw what the customers want, screw what the partners want. It's 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 all about shareholder value, and and my take on <clears throat> reading the article is. Just like a lot of U.S. mega corporations, it looks like the shareholder value is being – a lot of it is being driven by cost savings. And my worry is that that cannot go on. That is a not a, a – that's not a viable business model. <clears throat> so they have to – you know, while, while they have – by the looks of things in the last decade, I guess it looks like they've almost doubled revenue. Um, it went – I can't add them up in my head fast enough. But it went from sort of like $10 billion up to – you know, close to 20 billion over the last 10 years. Yeah. <clears throat> there is a growth in the business, um, but you know, with with the offshoring, with the lack of support, you know, I I, I can't remember when I issued a PMR and I talked to a, a native English speaker in the last four years. And and that's the challenge, isn't it? Is is continuing to take money out of the business in terms of um, you know offshoring and reducing costs, whilst not affecting either the quality of the product or the quality of the service and and that's the difficult bit and i think if, if we look across any any of the companies that i work with wherever a major group of support people in particular have been offshored the support levels inevitably go down you know they don't necessarily understand the problem as well or aren't as well trained or whatever it might be or more remote from the issue and it's, it's hard to keep those quality levels up but i guess ibm is trying hard to do that whilst also taking money out of the business wherever they can well, it's experience levels. It doesn't matter who you offshore. If you suddenly offshore a twenty-year a twenty-year experienced person, and you put a one to five-year experienced person in their place, the quality is going to go down, and it's going to be noticeable. Yeah. Um, there's nowhere to hide that. Now you can hide that by increasing your revenue twofold and increasing your earnings per share almost eightfold but the fact of the matter is that you know the people on the streets the people who are paying you good money so you can increase your earnings per share they're the ones being affected whenever they're calling for support i've noticed that i've definitely noticed the quality of support has gone down over the last four or five years and there is, you do end up with somebody that's not as experienced for a long time before you can get past that and get them to push it up to somebody that actually does know what your problem is. And, and this is one of my worries about the whole, we're going to cross brand. I, I think it's inevitable that that's coming. In fact, it's already here. But the problem we find from a support perspective of cross brand is it's never one brand's fault. Oh, you, you, you had an iSeries running Domino. That's an iSeries problem. You call the iSeries people and they're like, no, no, that's a Domino problem. So I can only ex- imagine what it's going to be like when you've got the customer web experience and you've got six or seven brands in, in there. I am experiencing that right now with a connections and portal call. There you go. Oh, is, this, is, this a, is this a much of an LTPA issue? Yes. Aha. 
<laughs> yes, so I am having a problem where I'm um it's kind of working and I'm having issues with portal talking to connections and the portal people thought it was a connections problem and the connections people originally thought it was a portal problem and now I think the WebSphere security people have got it so both both people have kind of washed their hands of it temporarily for the time being but you know we are <laughs> we are going to get this as, as, as we're losing the brands and we're all going to get be one big happy family so I think well, Look on the bright side, Sharon. At least they can only transfer you to two more possible brands before you've completely <laughs> exhausted the list. Oh, yes. Oh, joy. I shall look forward to that then. It's a Tivoli problem. No, no, it's a rational problem. <laughs> and and one, one last point on this. There's a comment made in the thread uh, by a chap called Paul from Portsmouth. So I guess he's probably an ex-IBM. I don't know. Maybe a current IBM. Um, and he talked about how IBM has, has returned $18.6 billion to shareholders through dividends and share repurchases, which, which is something I wasn't aware was going on. So IBM is basically buying back shares, I guess, so that you have a reduced number of shares available. Therefore, the dividends are higher per share. And that's how they get their earnings per share. So it's kind of uh, it's, it's an interesting business model that they're almost paying more out in dividends and share repurchases than they made in profit last year. And, and you've you got to think this isn't sustainable. So they're going to get to a certain point where these earning per shares targets are hit. And then where do they go from there? You know, is, is that really the way to target a company to, to have this kind of artificial threshold of money to return to shareholders versus talking about actually... You know, finding new customers, selling more software, you know, whatever the, the real targets are in terms of achievable goals for the company. Well, and, and that's really honestly kind of how it's done at big business. If, if the interest rates are low enough that they can issue a bond, they will issue a, bo- a, a, a bond option and then take the money from a bond, buy back the stock, which has a twofold thing. One, like you just said, increases the EPS, but two, increases the share price, which keeps everyone happy. So, you know, it's, it's really swings and roundabouts. There's a lot of smoke and mirrors that goes on in big finance, uh, in, in these big businesses where they're, they're leveraging themselves at the wazoo in order to inflate a, a share price. I'm not sure if IBM is doing that, but, you know, my guess is every, oh, the rest of the Fortune 100 does. Why not this one? Um, my, my main thing about reading all of this, uh, and this is not just IBM, this is Intel, it's Google, is, you know, but in the States, Barack Obama has spent a lot of time building this, you know, uh, a lot of high business types to come in to tell them how to create jobs in the US. And all these people are sat around the table. So you've got the Googles, you've got IBM, you got, they're all sat around the table. And yet none of them really are creating net new jobs in the US. In, in actual fact, they're all destroying them. So what, why are these guys sat at the table telling the president how to create US jobs when, as a man, almost none of them are creating net new jobs in any part of the West, not just the US? Yeah, we're certainly seeing that in the UK. You know, the, the, the IBM workforce has dropped significantly over years and I guess, I guess same is true of many other vendors um just a, a last point on this um there's also an article in the show notes about um sam's uh, compensation jumping 30 percent last year to 31 million dollars uh, very nice money if you can get that that's uh, terrific for him that he's clearly earning so much it's it's a nice pair isn't it uh, you know, that's that's like a ten million dollar pay raise. I'd I'd be sufficient just for ten million dollars. You don't give me a, a pay raise. Just give me for ten million. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> and and you 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 know I I don't blame them. You you've got to try and keep the best people in the job. Um, I think what's going to be interesting is who who replaces him because he's got to be coming up towards the end of his tenure in the next, you know, twenty four to forty eight months. One would expect, given given his age and and kind of what happens at IBM. Um, but that's you know that's usually over here your your pension and your payout is usually based off your last average of your, your highest of your last five years. So maybe we're trying to bump up his retirement plan as well. <laughs> maybe so. Um, my last point on this is in terms of the the feedback that have been on those blog articles. Clearly, um, you know these aren't just news articles in the press. These are actually blog articles that have blog comments on. With regard to IBM being a social business, do you think it's up to anybody to respond to those kind of comments on those blog posts, or is that some something that um, you know they should leave well alone and it's just out there, kind of recognise it's there, but actually that they should be dealing with it privately and internally rather than on public uh, domain sites? Occasionally, your head in the sand is a very good strategy, and I think this is maybe one of it. You, you can't win by engaging on this. Uh, you, you know, the truth is that people have been resource actioned. Um, as one person said on, in the article, and I've heard 
you know, personally, but, you know, IBM's, the IBM managers are told you have to fire 20% of your workforce every year. I've actually heard that myself. You're going to have some, some vitriol, and, and I think it's fair, but you're only going to excite it even more but by, by commenting and responding as an IBM on official capacity on this. You, you're just whacking the bee's nest with a stick. I think you're right on that one. Okay, moving on. Um, one of the other articles that came up last week, we didn't have a chance to get to on This Weekend Lotus, was uh, an article on Business Insider about the number of um, iPads and tablets to be sold in 2011, um, suggesting there'll be uh, 50 times as many tablets sold to enterprises as in 2010. Sharon, you've just picked up an iPad, I know. How, how do you kind of feel about the tablet um, kind of revolution? And, and do you see enterprises like your own uh, sort of taking them on? this year and do you speak to your spouse anymore <laughs> we we do um argue we're not argue per se we do we do squabble over it when it comes to bedtime because we both <laughs> like to we both like to lie in bed you know do a bit of surfing you know he's he's completely addicted to angry birds so <laughs> yes um but before i had one i honestly could not see what all the fuss was about since i have have had one i do not know how i could have ever lived without it um because yeah it's good you can play games on it but i use my email on the move i use it for taking notes after louis benitez took the mickey out of me quite terribly at lotusphere for writing things down on a piece of paper um i felt i had you know to get in with the cool kids and get a tablet and since i've had one um i've i use it everywhere for taking notes whether they they be business related notes or just things that come into my head so um I, I, I do struggle if I leave it now. It's like I've left part of my life behind. Um, and we are using them in the university. There's a big push to um, use Kindles and iPads um, to download our... We do have a lot of online books and a lot of PDF files and a lot of e-books. And they're looking at using those e-book readers, basically, um, so students can check them out and take away their whole semester's worth of course notes on them. So it's definitely something the university's looking at. If, if you left yours at home and you went to the airport, would you buy one from the airport? Um, I don't know whether I'd go to that extreme, but, you know... <laughs> Uh, I've heard some might do that. I I can understand completely why somebody may necessarily do that, yes, and then, and then, uh, you know, sell it on. Sorry, Stu, I couldn't resist. That was that was. No, I understand. I understand. I mean, looking at this article, um, I mean. it's interesting. We were talking about 50 times the number of tablets to enterprises. Well, actually, the number they're talking about um, in 2010 is only 20,000 tablets. Uh, this market research just was sold to enterprises. Now, given that Apple sold in the region of 7 million iPads last year, clearly they are, are mostly going to consumers. Like you know, like Sharon and myself probably bought them for ourselves. Um, rather than actually enterprises buying them. So I guess what we're talking about here is is a shift to the companies buying them as business purchases and that assumes that there is a business justification for buying a tablet which is something I've struggled to actually come up with is there a killer app a killer reason for actually needing a tablet um, in a business environment and I guess people are starting to come up with those killer reasons well I, I, I couldn't give you a killer reason it is a very good, as you've said, Stuart, it's a very good consuming device. So I, I now seem to read a whole lot more books and Amazon's share prices have probably gone up considerably since I bought mine because of all the Kindle crap I'm buying um, on my Galaxy tablet. And it's it's always handy just to be able to, you know, fire it up, check the weather, do I need to take, take an umbrella? And note to Americans, we don't call it a bumper shoot. Um <laughs> Strange questions I get asked about here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but what, what is the business value of it? That that's the difficult thing. I, it's still to me. It's very. It's a very difficult creation device. Um, I, I've I've always had issues with touchscreen keyboards, um, and and this is just the next generation of a touchscreen keyboard. So I'm I'm still trying to come up with a business reason but the, the the numbers are actually kind of interesting because like you said Stuart it was only 20,000 tablets quote unquote or pads last year and they're expecting 1.1 million I'm guessing this is in the US in the UK only um, and to put that into context so so 1.1 million um, tablets in, in 2011 
uh, Apple expects it's going to sell 50 million tablets to consumers and only 32 million netbooks and then 113 million notebooks. So, you know, the tablet is really where the growth is because it looks like the growth of tablets is up 200% and the growth of everything else is, is, is pretty much negative in the case of netbooks or stagnant in the case of actual laptops. And of course, looking at the iPad 2, which I know has been out in the States for a couple of weeks, but but just started shipping in the UK last Friday, um, you know, there, there were queues of, of 200, 500 people outside some of the major Apple stores. So clearly the demand is there and, and, and they will continue to be shipped in enormous numbers. It'll be interesting to see how they get taken on by businesses going forward. Well, and, and the other thing that no one's mentioned yet is, is, is the much-vaunted playbook. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's going to take off myself, which means it's going to be a stellar success because I always bet on the wrong horse in these bets. <laughs> um, so if anyone go out and buy Rimstock because I think they're going to go bankrupt in four years. <laughs> <laughs> You've been saying that for a while now. I'm interested to see if it works out that way. I mean, certainly I, I had a play uh, a play with the playbook um, at Lotusphere, and I mean, in, in terms of specs and performance and and the way it multitasks, it looks like a killer device. It's just whether the you know the App Store and the way that um, the that uh, BlackBerry LA to tether it and all those kind of things matches up to the lead that Apple and, and to some extent uh, some of the Android devices have already got over it. It'll be interesting to see how it works out. Well, I say an Android absolutely will not it? Yeah. be interesting to see how well they do. Okay, um, and next on our topics list was an event that um, Sharon and I attended last week, which was the Dacus Group uh, Social Business Summit. They've been running four events around the world um, in Australia, Austin in the States, uh, in London, and I think they're in Singapore um, next week. Um, and Sharon, what, what was your thoughts about the event? I mean, first of all, why did you um, attend? You know, what, what made it an event that you wanted to be at? Well, originally one of our... Um one of our upper management was going to go, but he double booked himself to a, an IS event for universities in Edinburgh. So, um, so I, I was allowed to go in his stead, me being the uh, social person in our organisation. Um, the reason that I wanted to go specifically because it wasn't aligned to any particular technology, I thought it would be a good idea to go to get views on how social fits in with business without it being tech related because everybody always gets tied up with the technology behind these things and it just did seem like a great event to go to although looking at the agenda I was a bit worried that not all of it may be relevant to me or to our business but after attending I was very wrong on that part I'm glad to say Um, and I found every session there was something relevant in it to how we work here or how we would like to work here. So it was it was well worth the effort to go. Absolutely. So this was held in Lotus, uh, sorry, in uh, London even. Got Lotus on the brain today, I wonder why. Um, and so in, in London, it was, I guess, about 400 people attended it. Um, and some of the speakers were, were really notable. So um, IBM were there. They had Stuart McRae, one of the sort of foremost social people in, in IBM UK, presented on behalf of, of um, Lotus. They obviously had some people from Dacus Group and Headshift, who are the, the sort of arm of Dacus in the UK. Um, but they also had some really good speakers from outside. Um, so uh, there was a chap called JP from Salesforce.com presented, I, I thought, a really good session on how sort of the working environment is, is changing. And, and Sharon, in terms of it being sort of technology agnostic, I, I guess having been to events like Lotusphere before that are so focused on the technology that are being used, did, did you find it interesting at that kind of level or, or were you looking for them maybe to guide us a little bit more in terms of the technologies you should be using? Most people that were there either had some kind of tech that they'd already had in place or were thinking about putting in something specific. So to get a view of um, just social in general without it being tied to any technology. I mean, and they, the speakers did mention a raft of technologies through from connections to um, SharePoint to Jazz to, oh, lots of other things that I'd, that I'd never even heard of that people are using. So... It was really useful for it not to be tied to any technology and it was just more of a general, this is what you do if you want to do social business. Absolutely, and I, I, I was just really impressed with it as a conference, and I recommend that if uh, if 
they run these kind of events um, in maybe more different venues next year. Certainly people try to get along to them. I, I found it fascinating to hear some of the case studies uh, in particular as to how social is transforming some of these businesses. I mean, Nokia did a really good session. A, a lady called Ming Kwan from, um, from Nokia presented on how they're trying to sort of transform their internal communications and, and collaboration using social technology. And that, that was fascinating in terms of, of, of the direction they're going and, and the progress they're making. She had some really good stats around how they've improved some of their business processes. So, um, so yeah, it's a good one. Um, if, if anybody is interested in attending the Singapore one, I think that's uh, in the next week or so. So have a look on the website. We'll have the link in the show notes for that session. Yes, and don't forget to mention the jazz, Stuart. The jazz, of course. So this was, um, you know, t- typically when you go to events, um, the, the graveyard shift is just after lunch. It's always difficult to get the audience kind of engaged in that hour or so after people have fed and watered. And uh, so they did something a bit different at, at this event. They had a jazz band come on talking about how kind of jazz is collaborative innovation, uh, how you get kind of this framework for collaboration in terms of some of the, the music timing that they've kind of agreed on as a band but then um, yeah, how the different uh, musicians can kind of overlay their own innovation, their own ideas on top of that and how that related to, to business. Did you enjoy that, Sharon? I thought that was one of the highlights of the day, to be honest. Um, everybody was sat there after lunch, not knowing what the hell was going to go on. And um, we had, I don't know, maybe 40 minutes of real-time audience collaboration and participation. There was quite a lot of embarrassed people, but uh, pretty much most people got into the groove and it was actually... Um, a really really good session um, there was lots of singing and dancing and hand clapping occurring um, but but the way that I think his name was Michael Gold the guy that was um, he he really got everybody sort of thinking about how you know they collaborate on the fly when they're making this jazz music and it and it you can relate it to in your workplace because you know chances are when you first start doing these things people don't want to talk to each other and they 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 are embarrassed to talk to people that they've never never met before so it was actually really really good and i did record some of us all making music so i'll I'll try and drag that off my phone and upload it somewhere (laughs) don't say it was very good Okay, and um, one of the other um, kind of uh, discussion points that's been going around the community in the last couple of weeks is uh, around Domino and whether it really is rapid application development. And of course, we, we kind of know Notes and Domino as being rad type environments for years. You know, we always talked about it being a really good place to do prototyping of new apps and so on. And uh, was it Jake that kicked this off, Darren? <laughs> it's always Jake that <laughs> kicks this off. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, and to kind of uh, use a phrase that no one except the Americans will know, uh, I, I think last week was March Madness domino style. And, and for the non-Americans, March Madness is what they call the college basketball 64-team um, playoff that happens in March. Okay. Where they, and and so, so Jake came up with a post and said, is, is Domino really so rad? And was able to, in Visual Studio, using some type of framework, um, which is, I think is an important fa- fact here, but he did use a framework, but he was able to knock up a quick, you know, example application in something like three minutes and 24 seconds and, 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 and kind of threw out the, the, the question is, can this be done in Domino? And both Simon O'Doherty and, and David Leedy went away and came back with screen cams and, and said, yes, it can. And look here, not only that, but it's re- reasonably easy to add security. And, and, and I think what gets lost here is, you know, RAD is rapid application development. It's not rapid application demonstration. Uh, and I think we're losing sight of that, that a lot of people spend a lot of time creating five-minute demos. Um, it, it, it's really from... Not, not from prototyping, but from the application standpoint itself, that, that I think that the time saving is coming. I think Domino still is rad. I have never thought that there were no other applications out there, and and I'd be surprised if any other Domino developer on the planet thought that as well. But it's it's worth pointing out that you know it's took the rest of the world the better part of a decade to catch up where Domino was in 2002, 2003, when IBM all but neglected it for another decade. Um, so I think it's it's interesting to, to compare and contrast, but I think we need a bit deeper compare and contrast than just here's a contact record, there's a view, look how quick that was, because that's not an application, that's that's a form. Yeah. 
And I, I, I thought David Leedy in particular, I haven't seen Simon's one, but David Leedy did a great demo that is up on YouTube that you can have a look at in terms of, as you say, creating that, that really basic CRUD app. But it would be interesting to see maybe somebody can come up with a spec for an application that's a little bit more involved than that, that, that they can kind of compare and contrast the, the two environments that are developing. Uh, I, I think it's it's interesting debate. It's, you know, it's if nothing else, it's it focused people in the community on what really is important about Domino in terms of the rapid application development. And maybe it will focus IBM's um, kind of designers on it in terms of, of looking at those demos and seeing actually what are the pieces that take the time? Can we improve the process around that and, and make it um, you know easier, faster uh, you know to, to do those kind of things? And, and Sharon, well, I know... And, go on. And, and look at things like deployment. You know, how long did I, I've deployed .NET apps, I've deployed Portal apps, I've deployed Connections, I've deployed Quicker J, I've deployed Quicker D, and I've deployed Domino. And I can tell you which one of them is the easiest, Domino, yeah. right? File, database new, or file, database new from template, and you're done. I mean, I mean, people are overlooking, you know, but you've got to understand, and this is probably a conversation on the next topic, is, is the TCO is getting lost here. But if I need six people or it takes me 12 weeks to deploy something, then was it really cheaper? And of course, you, you blogged about this, didn't you? So, um, you know, do you care whether Domino is rad or not? What really matters is TCO. And do you think do you think Domino is, is stacking up pretty well in terms of TCO still at the moment? Not if I've got more than five people. It's, that's the simple math, and I don't think anyone at IBM has ever done a TCO model against Domino themselves. Uh, you know, Sean Cole, I think, is suffering through his qu- quite spectacularly. You know, we've got the much vaunted application-specific license, which I can't talk to because I've not looked at it, but someone did uh, DM me and say, you still there's still some, like, 200-seat limit in ASL or something like that. I haven't looked at the license, so don't quote me on that. Um, but, but I think, you know, they, they don't understand where it fits they've never really understood where it fits and and because of that they they come out with these you know stupid horrendous licensing schemes which admittedly ed is ed is trying to address but the point of the fact is that every three months it takes to address this god knows how many customers walk out the door and and sharon um i I know you're not directly involved in domino but but there is some aspect of of domino notes in in your company do do you think people outside of this kind of yellow space get what what domino and and the lotus products offer in terms of um development uh environments Uh, in a word no um most people that i talk to that are in our business that don't have anything directly to do with Domino or Notes in any way, shape or form, still think it's a legacy app and are surprised that it's still alive, which is shocking, really. Just literally because I think other than when it was R5 and those Dennis Leary adverts were on TV, was it R5? Yeah, yep, uh, that, that was the last that the world outside the bubble knew uh, that Domino <laughs> and Notes existed. So. Oh, come on, there's been Lotus Nose posters, at least in my office. <laughs> I've never, I've not seen a lot of Lotus Nose <laughs> in the UK, to be honest, which is a shame. Well, and, and it goes back to a, a conversation I was having the other day with someone who I won't talk to. Uh, I, won't, I, won't, I won't say talk to, I won't name. Um, but they, they asked me a question. They said, how many Domino ISVs are there? And I struggled to come up with more than five. And, and I'm a pretty big believer that the the vitality of a, a product or a platform is kind of directly proportional of a number of ISVs developing to it. You don't want everyone to have to create their own CRM from scratch. Um, you don't want everyone to create their own what X from scratch. But there's not a lot of vendors out there. You know, you've got the likes of uh, Group who sell a lot of products like their Relevus CRM. You've got Adexus who is a CRM vendor. You've got El Guji Vitzel, Idea Nation, I guess is the phrase of that kind of stuff. But beyond that, I'm kind of struggling. And, and that's, that's a pretty damning condemnation for, for, for the, what IBM has done to the product line and, and, and Domino itself. But they cannot bring ISVs to the platform, or they're not. And the ISVs they do bring, I mean, I remember someone had mentioned 20,000 Microsoft product sign, partners signed up for Lotus Foundations. Uh, you're going to have a hard time attracting them back again. Yeah, so so right on that one. I, I hope it doesn't have that much of a, a bad impact. What happened with foundations, but um, but as you say, that was a very big 
big part of their advertising around foundations was how many ISVs they signed up. Well, well I mean, looking at the positive, Ed Brill does suggest in the comments on your blog, Darren, that um, that he's doing a lot of work, and you know, particularly since he took on the development side of, of the Notion Domino product line back in January, I think it was, that he, he's trying to build some ideas and, and some work around uh, getting more ISVs and more apps on the Domino platform. So uh, let's just hope we see some, some movement in that over the next three to six months. And um, I should say that the other vendors don't get too far ahead with that in, in the meantime. So um, something else that, that came through Planet Lotus I saw um, earlier on this week was a, a blog post that made me look three or four times at the <laughs> me title. Me too. <laughs> which was uh, Phil, uh, Phil Sam blogged um, obviously about an idea that he had that um, another vendor should buy Lotus. But the way he worded the, uh, the title seemed to suggest it had already happened. Did you see this, Darren? I did. I, I, I looked at it and I was like, really? <laughs> and then I clicked on it and I'm like, Oh, okay. It's this is this is what I dreamed about last night, post because it was worded as if Cisco had had bought the Lotus division from IBM, and and, and I double I double taked a few times on it, and I was like, is this is this a made up one or what? Um, you know, he has a, a few good points, and I know Stuart, you've been pretty vocal on saying you know IBM needs to shut up or get out and sell it off to someone that cares. Um, I'm not sure Cisco is the person because, you know, Cisco do a very good job of, like IBM do, of, of coming up with stupid ideas and then killing them six months in after they've just sold a, a lot of customers on it. Uh, but they do have the entire WebEx, you know, portfolio inside of Cisco. And, and I think Lotus, either way, the bolt onto that could be very good. I think the, the, the fact that, you know, the gardeners of the world are saying social is going to take off. And, and be a multi, multi, multi billion dollar business in a couple of years is, is all but killed any fantasy of, of IBM selling Lotus off. I think you're right. I think the, the products in the Lotus brand are, are probably more important to IBM now than they've been in the last five years. So I, I, I don't think we'll, we'll ever see that. But it's certainly interesting. People are thinking uh, sort of outside the box in terms of what might happen to Lotus going forward. And it'll be interesting to see whether there's... There were no comments on that blog post, which quite surprised me. I imagine people were going to jump on it and, and say you know, either it was a good or a bad thing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether we hear any more on that in the future. Um, another controversial post that uh, happened this week was from... Uh, a uh, good friend, Carl Tyler, um, who suggested that perhaps uh, the notes client needs to be dropped. And I don't think he made it quite as clear as that, but certainly suggested there should be maybe a, a new kind of notes client that doesn't try to cover all the legacy stuff that, that the existing notes client does. Um, Sharon, did you see this? Do you, do you see that as being a way forward to have a new kind of client that, that does some of the good stuff that notes does, but, but doesn't have the baggage around it? I think that would probably would have rescued it here to be honest, um, because one of our schools had um, email via notes and Domino, and now they just have applications. We took their email away, um, and it was mainly to do with the client and the lumpiness of it and the fact that they were quite a way behind. They've upgraded it to 8.5 now, but um, there is there does seem to be a lot of stigma around the notes client for some reason i personally love lotus notes and think it's absolutely brilliant and i would like to use it as my mail client and other things but i can't um but i do understand why people do think it's clunky and 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 don't like it just because of all the issues that have been way back 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 when um i think if they they make it look cool and sexy like they were attempting to show us at lotus fair then um a lot of people may get slightly more excited about it but I think you're right. They do need to drop some of the legacy stuff and concentrate more on all the cool stuff it does and all the ways it can help you collaboratively. Darren, how, how would you see your customers going for this? Do you think that they, they'd be interested in something like a new Notes client that, that, does, you know, that, that is a bit more lightweight, a bit more uh, kind of social focused? You mean Vulcan? <laughs> um, just to kind of phrase there. Uh, you know, Carl, Carl had a good point. It's been, it's been brought up elsewhere. Uh, but we, we, you know, uh, we don't need an old client. What we need is is a lightweight application framework, you know, a la X Pages all by itself, with none of the quote unquote other stuff. But what does the other stuff entail? Does it entail not entail security? Does it not entail roles? Does it not entail replication? Does it not entail an NSF? So I think you know the decoupling of this is maybe a bit more difficult than I think we we would understand. 
However, I, I had heard on, on, a, on a back channel a few weeks ago, or a few months ago now, uh, it, was, it was around the time of Lotus Fear. I, I got someone drunk and they told me stuff they shouldn't have told me. That's one of the advantages of not drinking alcohol, by the way. <laughs> at 2 a.m. in the morning, you get to find out a lot of crap that no one else knows. <laughs> so uh, why and you and spend it, so much time in kimonos at Lotus Fear? That's, yes, that's, <laughs> uh, uh, that's why I'm always drinking the Red Bull, never the Red Bull and vodka. Um, but what I was told is that there was a lot of enthusiasm inside of IBM for a headless designer and the way that was kind of explained to me was think of Domino Designer but from a, from a web-based tool only uh, to allow you to create X pages apps without needing the full-blown designer client and, and the way it was told to me there was a lot of enthusiasm uh, and they were, they were starting to see what the feasibility of that was and then somewhere in this post, Ed Brill had already kind of hinted that, hey, we're already looking at this. I think it was the first comment. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of stuff is that I was told that I, I said I wouldn't mention until it was maybe a bit more public is starting to come public, so I can, I can mention it now. Um, I think it's a good idea. Is You know, everyone's got to understand that everyone's looking for the one thing that's going to save Domino and... You know, I'm I'm not sure it's going to take one thing or whether fifty things could 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 save what 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 is happening to it. Uh, you know, the notes client, like Sharon said, when I go back and I look at an R7 client, even I cringe it, it, nowadays. And and I I loved it. I I, I love notes. That's what my use day in day out. There's just some quirky stuff about it that people don't get, people don't understand and I think IBM need to go out and they need to start looking at the competitors' products and maybe building a matrix to say what do we do well, what do they do well what do we have to do to get our product up to what they do well and if every product they do be that notes, be that connections be that same time, be that quicker go look at Skype go look at Dropbox, go look at Microsoft Outlook go look at everything else, go look at Visual Studio which is a beautiful IDE by the way um, and, and, and just start playing that way uh, you know, I don't think they do that much analysis on, on, on what the other people are doing beyond buying the Gartner report and saying okay, this is where we need a head Go out and look at Outlook 2010. Go out and look at Outlook 2007. For God's sake, go and look at Outlook 2003, which is still, honestly, kind of head and shoulders above notes as far as a male client goes. And that's kind of a damning condemnation coming from me. And I think I think to use them as well. I think looking at them is is fine. I think using them, you know, all day every day for for some aspects of your workflow teaches you more than anything about what the good and the bad points are. You know, and, and I think yeah, that's what makes people love the notes client. If you do use it as a center point of your collaboration environment for a length of time, then it's great. If you just use it for half a day to you know to experience it, you'll be yeah having your head your head in your hands wondering you know why it's designed the way it is. So I, I think we need. IBM and, and the partners to really get to understand what's great about some of the other products that are out there. And yep. not just notes, you know. Would, would we ever record this podcast on the same time? Probably never. Because no. it's not feasible to do that. And it's absolutely feasible on Skype, which is free. I can go and download it, and every week it's on. And I can't say that about any of the same time servers I connect to with the exception of maybe the STS one because really we don't do any meetings on now. It is as an IM server. And, and, and they need to go out and they need to build these matrices and they need to check the checkboxes and they need to be, have an honest, hard look at themselves. And, and I think maybe having a headless designer client might attract some folks, specifically you know, guys who, who are seriously, seriously looking at salesforce.com. You know, we hear a lot of customers... Uh, looking at Google, we hear a lot of customers are looking at Microsoft. Honestly, Salesforce.com is where a lot of people are looking to move their apps to. And the shame for me is I think if we went back five or ten years, there were some moves in IBM to look at some of this stuff. So, I, I mean, do you remember the Notes Buddy client? And notes Buddy was this really lightweight, same time, and, and Notes email client that just was great for, for accessing Notes servers. It, it was so much more lightweight than Notes client of the day. And I, I think, um, you know, whilst development is clearly the focus area at the moment and going forward, I would love to see something lighter that fully integrated with, with Domino for emails. I think we could get a lot of users very interested in using that rather than looking at Outlook and, and others. 
I remember that. I used that way back when we I was in an organisation that used um, Domino for their main email, and I missed it when it went. I mean, that great feature where it used to read out your emails to you. Do you remember that? Yeah. You could you yep. could set it to read you just the the subject or or the full uh, yeah transcript of the email. It's a fabulous facility. I, I never saw this. I need notes, buddy. <laughs> Dig it out. I think it still works against the latest servers. But it'll you would love 7. it, Darren. You would absolutely love it. It'd be, it's just up your street. I can only imagine how much password HTML there is in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, moving on. We, we uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think, had um, Warren Ellsmore on and also Theo about the uh, the user groups that are coming up. Well, um, B-Log is just next week, um, I think. Is it even the end of this week? It's, no, it's the I end of this week, isn't it? It's Thursday and yep. Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's B Lug. Uh, UK Lug is a little bit further away. That's kind of uh, end of May kind of time. But um, a reason to be uh, thinking about it right now is that abstracts are due in by the fifth of April. So if you're thinking of submitting an abstract or speaking at that event, you need to to get cracking with it now. And Darren, we've already heard you're not going to be speaking there. I think you're looking forward to just attending, aren't you? But Sharon, are you going to be submitting some abstracts? I certainly am. I shall be attempt, or well, at least one. Um, hopefully two. Assuming that my uh, alleged co-presenter's not too busy to assist Stuart. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have let, led you into that one, should I? No, you shouldn't. Um, no, hopefully the main one that we're going to submit will be very good if it gets accepted because um, not only have I got you assisting me with this, but the legendary Matt Newman has uh, offered his co-presenting um, skills for the day. So uh, it should be a, a very interesting one if we get accepted and the geekiness quotient will be uh, added to by the uh, elements of Star Wars, I think, that might be involved in that too. Oh, yes. Should be great. Look forward to it. <laughs> so how many are you putting in, Stuart? Um, certainly two. We, we'll see on, on more than that. No, I, I, I'm just, well, first of all, I, I may only be there for a day, so that's going to limit things a little bit, but uh, it's going to be a, a great conference. I really look forward to it, and I know there's already been a good number of people around the community saying they're going to be attending and, and submitting abstracts, so it should be an excellent value conference, given, of course, it costs nothing to attend. Yeah, I think I'm on a speaking hiatus for a while. We'll see how long it lasts. If we look at the agenda <laughs> and see you listed, Darren. We'll no, I'm not, doing, I'm not doing one at UK Look. Definitely not doing one at UK Look. And I'm already trying to go on strike for Lotus Fee at 12. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm getting all of this out so no one's shocked when I don't speak in Lotus Fee. Make sure. Okay. Oh, you'll have set the scene by then. Okay, well, that's that's our news done for this week. Uh, so very quick uh, rush around what's been going on in the community. Um, as usual, we finish our podcast by asking panellists to uh, name a tip for you, the listener. It may be a, a site, a gadget, a, uh, a tip in terms of using a Lotus technology. So Sharon, do you want to kick us off? What's your tip for this week? Uh, my tip is never leave home without your iPad um, or your tablet if you go into a conference. I would have been lost without mine last week. Um, I used it and Evernote to keep a track of everything that I was doing, synced it up on the fly, and then when I got back to the office, all my notes were there already for me to do. So um, if you've got an iPad, use Evernote. It's brilliant. Excellent. I'd certainly echo that. It's, it's a fabulous tool. The, the other one I tend to use is SoundNote, which I don't think I've mentioned on the podcast before, which not only allows you to take notes, but also to record audio for meetings, obviously, with permission of the people that are in the meetings. But um, that's a very and, useful tool, too. And speaking of recording, your yep. tip is? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I intended to record some really good audio from uh, the Dakis conference the other day. In fact, we did record about 10 minutes or so until the batteries mm. ran out on my MP3 recorder so yeah a tip from me is make sure you've got spare batteries with you before you attend conferences um but seriously no my, my tip for this week is if you're looking at rolling out lotus connection 3 um don't just assume it's just connections 2.5 with some extra gadgets on it's a much more resource hungry application particularly at the database end so where we were running database uh, db2 database servers on 2 gig at 2.5 we're now looking at 4 to 6 gig on um connections 3 so it really is a completely different beast from a sizing perspective. So if you need um, some thoughts around that, do feel free to get in contact with me. But I'll also be blogging about some of the findings we've had from the latest upgrade we've done. It's certainly a, a different matter completely. Darren, what's your tip? Uh, well, the last couple of weeks I've been living, breathing and swearing Tivoli Directory Integrator. <laughs> 
Um, it's actually a very powerful tool. It's just, as with all things that are XML-based, it's a bit esoteric and you know more descriptive or declarative than procedural. So it's a bit of a pain in the backside. But when you get it all working, it actually is kind of phenomenal and, and can put you out of a job if you're not careful. <laughs> because now you don't have to register people in 25 different systems. You just click a button. I actually just schedule it and it runs. But we had a problem with the scheduler. So there's a piece in, in, in TDI called the AMC. And we'd log into the AMC and we wouldn't be able to do anything. We'd, we'd be able to log in. It's like a WebSphere uh, integrated systems console, ISC. Uh, but none of the images were showing up. We'd click on stuff and nothing would work. And we kind of went round and around a bit on it. And we couldn't figure out why. Every time we did an install, we ended up with the same thing. And hidden deep, deep, deep within the help docs is that if you do a custom install, run this one command and give yourself rights. Well, we didn't run a custom install, but once you ran the command, which is in the in the uh, show notes, I won't... I won't have the tediosity of reading it out to you <laughs> right now. But if you're having problems with the EMC on TDI, look at the show notes. The answer's probably in there. Brilliant. Okay, well, as, as Darren says, that tip will be in the show notes. So if you're running TDI, I guess it's version 7 we're talking about? Yeah, it was, yeah. Mm. Yeah, then, then make sure you know about that command. That's that's terrific. I'll make sure I, I keep a note of that too. So um, that brings us to the end of this week in Lotus for this week. Sharon, how do people track you down if they want to follow you or find you? If uh, they want to find me on Twitter, I am Dilf Technical, which is D-I-L-F Technical. Um, and if you want to go and look at my blog, I'm, sh- can't even say it, socialshazza.com. Excellent. That's good. And thanks for joining us today, particularly at such short notice, Sharon. It's great to no see you. No problem. Never is a chore. What, is, Always a is pleasure. That, is that one Z or two Zs? Uh, two Zs in Shazza. Two Zs, Dan. Zs, sorry, yeah, God damn. Oh, yes, me... sorry, yes. Oh, I couldn't speak the Queen's English. What the hell I say? Fuck. Darren, where do people find you? Uh, no Zs, no Zs. Uh, blog.darrenduke.net for all things technical, Lotus-related, VM-related, Blackberry-related, and on Twitter, Darren Duke, all one word for my 140-character rants. That's a new domain for you, Darren. DominoDazza.com. <laughs> yeah, with two, with two Zs. Yeah. Two Zs. And I'm Stuart McIntyre. You can find me on Twitter at Stuart McIntyre. It's S-T-U-A-R-T-M-C-I-N-T-Y-R-E. And uh, the company is CollaborationMatters.com. So this was This Week in Lotus. Uh, I look forward to speaking to you next week. Bye. All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer. Hi, Warren Ellsmore here, and I'd like to tell you about the UK Lotus User Group. This year, the largest Lotus event in the UK will be held in Manchester on the 23rd and 24th of May. As always, we'll have a great lineup of speakers from the IBM community, giving you some of the best administration, development and management information out there. We're also really pleased to be supported by some of the best Lotus partner solutions as well. Attendance at the UK Lug event is free thanks to the generous support of these companies. So if you'd like to attend UK Lug, put forward a speaker session or sponsor the event, please take a look at www.uklug.info and we'll look forward to seeing you in May. This Week in Lotus is sponsored by Audible, the destination for the widest selection of digital audiobooks available worldwide. Want to be well-read like Duffbert but just can't spare the time to read books on paper? Take an audiobook on your commute or whilst walking instead. We've got a special offer for you. Download and listen to a best-selling book every month for just $7.49 a month for the first three months and you can cancel at any time. Pick from over 85,000 audiobooks from business to classics to sci-fi or comedy. Go to thisweekinlotus.com audible for all the details. 